Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 117 for September 24th, 2013. I'm Chester Wisniewski with my co-host, Paul Ducklin. Welcome back, Paul. Hello, Chester. You're down in uh, sunny Arizona, aren't you? I am. I'm looking out uh, my hotel room window onto some uh, pools and a beautiful golf course. Uh, you'd think there was a lot of water around here, considering uh, what, uh, what things look like. Anyhow, uh, we have a reasonably full docket today. That sounds quite chilling, Chester, as though you're implying somebody might be listening in to our recording. Uh, I think we, we, we will leave the NSA to uh, deciding what the NSA is listening to, but um, Apple, on the other hand, you know, seems to be all the press. I mean, uh, you, you know that whenever there's a new phone launch, there's always going to be a lot of Apple press, but in this case, there's been a kind of a raft of security updates. You know, I guess to remind people from the previous few Apple launches, this isn't unusual either. They, they typically do launch new operating system revisions. Uh, in this case, they updated uh, Mountain Lion and iOS and the software for Apple TV and a whole bunch of other Apple devices. Well, let's split them in half, Chester, and let's deal with the Mountain Lion fixes because those are sort of independent. That's not a new version of the operating system. It's not Mavericks 10.9. It is just a point release for OS X, uh, and in my opinion, well worth getting, not least because it fixes that pseudo bug which we have spoken about before that has been outstanding for some six months now, which means that if someone has access to your Mac, they can pretty much make themselves root for five minutes um, using unprivileged commands. So it's probably worth grabbing that 10.8.5 for that alone, and there are a whole raft of other potential remote code execution fixes as well. Does it, does it fix the denial of service bug we talked about where sending a magic string to uh, iPhones and Macs can crash them? It does, Chester. And what's interesting is Apple sort of added that almost as an afterthought at the end of the list. It's not specifically listed as a security fix. They're just saying, oh, by the way, at the same time we fixed this problem that could cause applications to end unexpectedly. I'll say. So yes, it does fix the uh, text message of death. And uh, that's good news as well, because it stops people playing pranks and mischief on you. Now onto the shiny new iPhone 5S and 5C. Uh, of course, they ship with this iOS 7 update, but it's not limited to those devices. I believe you can get iOS 7 on uh, iPod Touch Generation 5 and higher, and iPhone 4 and higher, and some other various versions of the iPad. And uh, there's some sort of a, a bypass that allows, you know, potential uh, uh, deviants to, you know, send off your photos to Facebook and the Twitters? Yes, in fact, not one, but two holes in the lock screen. And uh, we've spoken about lock screens before, haven't we, about how modern phone locks don't really lock the phone. They just try and corral the functionality a bit. And it turns out that there are two real problems. As you say, one allows somebody to get into your photos and uh, view them, which is probably not what you intended, and delete them, uh, which will be bad, but also to upload them, share them online against your will. Uh, and that seems to be a, a very strange definition of lock. Uh, and the other hole allows somebody uh, from the lock screen, you'd say, oh, I want to make an emergency call. You don't actually make an emergency call, you make a regular call or dial a regular number. And then you just press the call button repeatedly in a funny way, and it'll place the call anywhere, which is bad news if someone steals your phone, because it means 
now you don't have a phone. So how are you going to phone your mobile operator to say, hey, please kick my phone offline? I guess you could steal someone else's iPhone. <laughs> Chester, you're not supposed to say things like that. Ah, right. But that would work, yes. So I guess the important lesson here is if you're an iPhone user, especially if you're on iOS 7 or have the new 5S or 5C phones, uh, keep a close eye out. Apple's probably going to be releasing updates to close these uh, lock screen vulnerabilities. It's always a mystery when Cupertino decides they're going to release a fix. They like to uh, surprise everyone and just have it show up in the middle of the day. Chester, there has already been an update to iOS 7. Uh, it's already at 7.0.1. And apparently that update doesn't deal with the lock screen bugs. It deals with a flaw in the fingerprint sensor, which means that sometimes it doesn't make it as easy as it should to authorize purchases on iTunes. So Apple has fixed a bug that makes it easier for you to spend money inside the Apple network. Let's hope that they also are quick to fix the bug that makes it easy for other people to spend your money on the mobile network. Absolutely. Well, we'll, uh, of course, let our listeners know, but uh, for all the latest news, you can always follow nakedsecurity.sophos.com, and we'll be posting there once uh, those fixes are made available. Uh, moving along, last podcast, we discussed some Microsoft fixes, and of course, the Patch Tuesday uh, fixes came out right after we did the podcast, but there, there was a little bit of trouble with them, and, and we had just advised folks, like, you know, if you're not sure you're better off applying them than to spend too much time hyper-analyzing whether this particular RCE or EOP, etc., is is uh, critical. Now we're looking at a situation where there was some bad updates from Microsoft, but it didn't really cause any harm, right? It was just uh, a perpetual alerting that you needed to get the updates you already got. Is that correct? It was as though we had that poor fortune that seems to bedevil sports commentators, doesn't it? You know, just when a football commentator says, this goalkeeper hasn't let in a goal all season. As soon as he says that, you know the opposition are going to score immediately and the commentator's going to have egg on his face. And of course, that's what happened to us saying, yeah, go on, she'll be right. You know you can apply the patches. And my understanding is that basically the updates came over and over and over again. And uh, then finally, there was an update to the updates. And that was after Microsoft had omitted one of the 14 promised patches because it didn't pass QA. I suspect some of this is the shortening patch cycle and pressure on vendors to be releasing things more and more quickly in response to you know reports. Uh, I think Microsoft's fixes this month were all privately reported, but uh, the vendors reporting flaws, uh, even what you might argue is responsibly, are getting less and less patient with how much time they're willing to give a vendor to fix things. And hopefully that doesn't lower the quality of the, the fixes when they do ship. Um, a note to people in the Windows world uh, as well, there is a zero day in the wild currently at targeting Internet Explorer, uh, all versions. Uh, this was in reasonably small scope. It wasn't uh, widely deployed, but it has sort of been leaked in the last week. Um, so we can expect criminals to be repurposing that leaked code uh, and targeting users of Internet Explorer. You know, another patch to keep a close eye out from uh, watch Naked Security closely for that. And, uh, of course, if you subscribe to Microsoft Bulletins, you should be getting updates from them as to the status of that. This fix isn't a full-blown patch, is it? It's what Microsoft calls a fix-it. And the good news with a fix-it, as I understand it, is there's a button to apply it and a button to deapply it. So if it doesn't work out for you, you can roll back really, really easily. 
Exactly. And uh, that, that is a uh, you know, fix for just this one thing. If you're a heavy Internet Explorer user, though, it may be worth looking into their EMET tool, EMET, because uh, it can provide more long-term mitigation against lots of different flaws. But you do need to be a bit more of an expert to deploy that tool. I agree. I think that's a, a great and uh, underrated tool, uh, particularly if you're stuck with legacy applications or, dare I say it, Windows XP. It's sort of like a general purpose sandbox, isn't it? You can take an application that hasn't kept pace with modern security styles, if you like, uh, and wrap it in a hardening layer, which brings some of the benefits that, that using the latest and greatest would. So it's a good middle ground if you're, kind of, if you're a system administrator stuck with needing to run legacy stuff that goes online. Um, and, and, and don't want to forget Adobe. I'm um, not going to go into details, but uh, Adobe did release some security bulletins as well for Flash Player and Reader uh, and Adobe Air. So if, uh, like most organizations, you're an Adobe user, don't forget to get those patches and, and deploy them out there. Uh, they are quite critical, and, and we have an article on that on Naked Security as well. While we're on the topic of patches, uh, there's also a critical WordPress fix, and knowing that many, many organizations choose to use WordPress for their blogging uh, presence on the internet, it's important to, to get those fixes as well. If there's a hole that everybody knows about it, then the one thing you can be sure is the crooks know about it, and they're going to be using it. That means that you may be part of the problem, almost aiding and abetting cybercrime, if you're not closing off the door to prevent the crooks getting in and, and using your server for malevolent ends. You're absolutely correct with, you know, don't be part of the problem. Get those fixes put in place so that you're an upstanding member of the community and, and uh, you can stay clean. So while we're speaking of blogs and the web and things like that, you know, we decided on Naked Security to run a poll about browser trustworthiness. So that's a little bit different than other things we've seen. We've seen, you know, what's your favorite browser? We've talked about what people think is the most secure, but trustworthy is a different question to ask of people. And the results were um, resoundingly in favor of one browser, which I think is your favorite browser, Paul. Yes. Firefox didn't just come out with twice the percentage of votes of its nearest rival, which was Chrome and Chromium when you combined them. Um, but it actually ended up with an absolute majority too. Uh, it squeezed in at 50.5% of the vote. So it looks as though the Mozilla Foundation have done an awfully good job of convincing people that they're the good guys in, in the browser world. Yeah, and I, I wonder how many folks voted the way I did. Uh, you know, personally, most of the time I use Chromium, yet I still voted for Firefox because the question was about trust. And I, it's not that I distrust the Chromium team, although they're primarily Google employees. Uh, it's just I have more faith and trust in the Mozilla guys who, well, maybe it helps that I know some of them personally, and, and they, many of them work in Vancouver with me. There is something about the Mozilla Foundation that, like the EFF and others, you kind of feel like they have your back. Yes, um, you're quite right. If you look at the, what, what you might call the conversion rate on Naked Security, you know, it shows the number of people who visited with the browser who ended up voting for that browser. Um, and with Firefox, pretty much everybody who came in with Firefox voted for it. With the Safari and Chrome, only about half. And with Internet Explorer, I'm bringing up the rear, only about a third of the people who browsed to our site with Internet Explorer ended up voting for it, which actually is in a way more interesting than the final results. 
So with all the hype about the NSA being all up in everybody's business and all this kind of stuff, there are some interesting stats coming out about Facebook trust. I mean, I find it a bit odd that people are so concerned about, you know, emails being pried into and telephone call metadata and all these things. And meanwhile, they're posting, um, you know, pictures of themselves on Facebook doing jello shots and smoking weed and on and on and on, and, and then are surprised that somebody actually was looking other than, you know, their best friend from college. Um, what, are, what are the stats there? What, what you know, is there, is there some irony? It was a sort of a survey. I mean, this is completely unscientific. 57% of students think that basically that their Facebook posts are mostly harmless. What could possibly go wrong? But nearly 70% of recruiters say, yep, we go looking on Facebook and we have found stuff that has caused us to reject a job applicant. Maybe the recruiters are making poor judgments. Maybe they're reading too much into what goes on Facebook. But if in doubt, don't let it out. Yeah, I, I saw a film um, last weekend at the Vancouver International Film Festival about uh, what we're giving away and how we're giving it away and what the terms are these companies are asking for of the information that we're sharing with them. And there was a gentleman uh, included in the film who had uh, tweeted something in a, about destroying America and then was surprised when he was stopped by the border agents on his way to the United States on a trip. And uh, you do need to think about, you know, what it is you're shouting in public. And, you know, if you would get in trouble for it uh, in real life, if you were to perhaps make a poster and hang it around your neck uh, as far as a statement that you're saying, or if you'd be embarrassed to, to say it in a public park or in a pub, but uh, feel emboldened when you're online. Those are times to step back a second and think twice, perhaps. Yes. What is that famous saying? Your freedom to swing a punch ends one millimeter from my nose. And it's the same with speech. You know, it, it, it is easy to get a little carried away online or to imagine that you're kind of speaking only to a coterie of friends when in fact you're speaking, you know, in Facebook lingo, to friends and friends of friends, or possibly even to everybody. Exactly. Well, uh, with that note, I'm going to conclude Software Security Chat Chat 117. As always, for the latest security news, visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. For the latest podcasts, you can get those at podcasts.sophos.com uh, via RSS or on iTunes. If you're an iTunes listener, uh, we always appreciate uh, a, a vote for, uh, for us on iTunes and some commentary to let us know that you're out there. We, we appreciate all of our listeners uh, doing that. And until next time, stay secure.